Welcome to the Prairie City United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast. Here's the latest message from Pastor John Bailey. Lord, I ask that you be with us in the midst of hearing your word, in the midst of hearing your scripture. Allow us to hear what the first hearers of this would have heard. Allow us to hear the the names in the familiar areas and allow us to be part of your grand creation and the ways that you beckon to us in the midst of this scripture to go deeper and to have a better relationship with you. May the meditations of my mind and my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you in your name. Amen. Uh, this morning, I want us to think uh, this evening, because it's not this morning. I'm so used to saying that. I want us to think about the role that narrative plays in our lives. Have you ever thought about narrative? I am just totally captivated by what narrative and story can do in our lives. We're surrounded by it. Everywhere we go, there is some kind of story being presented, being told. And I don't know if you've ever realized this, but these stories do things within our lives. These narratives do things within our lives. Sometimes stories, when in the midst of uh, something happening, can bring us together. It can unite us. And sometimes when stories are not congruent with one another, when they seem to be opposed to one another, when narratives are opposed to one another, they can be incredibly divisive. But stories do a lot to tell us where we came from, who we currently are, and they can even give us a glimpse into the future. Stories and narrative are powerful things. Throughout this whole fall, and as we go into the Christmas time, Advent, believe it or not, it's just around the corner, we're going to be starting on what's called the narrative lectionary, where we're going to be looking at the stories of the Bible, the narrative of the Bible, and what it means for our lives. And so what you might experience here is hearing stories or narrative that you haven't heard since you were in Sunday school. All right. And maybe when you were in Sunday school, we gave a a appropriate for your age and your time. Look at that narrative. But we're going to dive a little bit deeper into it because as grownups, there's something about this, these stories that give us an understanding of where we've come from. And we talk now the stories of things be in start. Of awe. God is working in the narrative. When we adopt these stories, these narratives of the Bible, we always have to realize that we come to them as followers of Jesus Christ, but we also come to them with a certain level of importance put on them. But they aren't always our first stories. They're stories that we come to after the fact, right? Because before it was called the Old Testament, it was called something else. Before it was called the old, but for some, it's still fairly relevant as their first stories. We celebrate these stories. Jesus was a Jew and grew up with some of these stories, some of these narratives, and it shaped who Jesus was and it shaped how he lived into God's promise 
in the world. And so because of that, we also celebrate these stories to ask ourselves, where are they leading us? And where are they taking us? The story that we read today, the narrative we read today is the second creation story in the Bible. If, if you've heard of the Bible having a creation story, a singular story, you might be a little off track there because there's actually multiple stories of what creation might look like within the Bible. Some of them come from the prophets and two of them are here, but this is the second one. But believe it or not, when we look at what the debate on biblical scholarship says for dating is, is this was probably dated before the one that came before it, the one that's in chapter two. And so we see this collection of narratives and realize that they are a collection of persons telling where they have seen God at work in their lives and the lives of those around them. The connection of people in the community hearing this story and knowing the names that, Tim, you did a great job of pronouncing the names that were there, but knowing the names and knowing those places, it would almost be like you saying the town next door. Or you know that crick around the bend that everybody used to play in. We know where that's at. And there would be immediate connection to them for it framed their worldview around them to name off these rivers and the areas around them. It framed the area around them. And it's very simply a way for us to say where God is at work in the world around us. Think of this image You're around a campfire. This is way before TV. This is way before radio. This is way before the printing press. So books were not at your disposal. They were for the elites. This is what you did is sit around a fire and tell stories. Yeah. Some of them were ghost stories, Aaron. And some of them were incredibly profound. This was the entertainment of the day. They would sit around and stare into the glow of the fire. And I have this image when I think of this, this, this passage here, I have this image of a a little girl, a little, little boy coming up to the elder in the camp and going to the elder and saying, elder, can you tell us how this all came to be? Can you tell us how this all came around us? Where all these things came from? An elder with happiness and glee telling a story that framed, that framed who they were and what they were about, where they came from and where they're going. This morning, as we look at this passage, we know that there's some similarities between this passage and the first creative story, and there's some differences The first thing that we realize is that there is a difference in the voice by which the story is told. You know what I mean by voice? If you're going to pick up a law book and read it, there is a voice by which that book is written. If you pick up Dr. Seuss, you don't even have to see the cover. You start reading it. 
you know whose voice it is, right? It's written in a certain style with a certain way of, of portraying things. And it's all about something getting to the heart of something. The first creation story that we see Genesis one is written from a priestly account. There are four voices within the old Testament. One of them is the priestly voice and the priestly voice likes to give you details. They're kind of like the type a personality, but they like things in order because when things are in order, everything makes sense, right? And that's why we see in the priestly account, it starts on day one and something is created day two, something is created day three and four. And after each creation, it's in a triad of three things that are created. And then after each creation, what does the priestly voice say? And God saw it and it was good. Now, for a person that likes order and is a little type A, I love this story because it doesn't say, even when you get to the Hebrew, it doesn't say that everything was created and it was perfect. Because sometimes for the perfectionist, we need to realize that perfect isn't as good as good. For even God, the perfect creator says it was created and it was good. The only difference is that one human, Adam, is created, God says, and it was very good. The priestly account, it's all about order. It's familiar to those who are living in the Mesopotamia area and known between the two rivers in the priestly account. Mesopotamia was an area that was flooded almost every single year. And an area that knew what it meant to live in this space between these rivers that flooded and the creative order of flooding and then water going away and then things growing and then flooding and so on and so forth. In the first Genesis story, the human couple comes at the end of the story. And when it's created, it's the apoch. It's the height of creation. And it was very good. When we think about the second Genesis story, what I want you to think about is not order, for it starts not in a systematic way, Let's remember how it starts. It says, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. On the day that the Lord God made earth and sky before any wild plants appeared on earth and before any field crops grew because the Lord God hadn't yet sent rain on the earth and there was still no human being to farm the fertile land through this, a stream rose from the earth and watered all the fertile land. The Lord God formed the human from the topsoil of the fertile land and blew life's breath into its nostrils. The human came into life. Starts with nothing. 
before anything was created. And quickly we have the fertile land is there and all of a sudden the rivers are there and all of a sudden the, the trees are there and all of a sudden it says that we need something to work this land, right? It's about relationships. The second story, as we think about it and as we talk tonight, is that we have a God that is about relationships. Relationships between the earth and those that will till it, as it says. Relationships between Adam, the man, the human, and the animals. It's all about relationships. It starts there. It appeared while Israel was still in a sovereign state is what we know. The first Genesis story seems to be written when Israel is in, has no power. They're probably in exile in Babylonia. The second one is written in a time when Israel has some power, some sovereign rule and a sovereign state. And it allows us to see that in the midst of their fullness, that they cling to those relationships. It's a bringing together of those four rivers that we talked about, an oasis of sorts. This story is one that can tell us plenty about where God works in creative order around us. But I want to go back to the word till. The Hebrew word there, as we look at this scripture, it says that man, Adam, Adam means human, the human, the man, not man as in gender. It's the first thing that we see here. Often we conflate this because of the biblical stories that we heard in Sunday school. And we think that this has been named yet. Actually, the name doesn't come till chapter three. And there's a trick in the names. For most of us do not read Hebrew. We would not know what the meaning of these words mean. Adam means the human, the man. The Lord God formed the human from the topsoil of the fertile land and blew life's breath into its, his nostrils. The human came to life. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and put there the human he had formed. In the fertile land, the God, Lord God, grew every beautiful tree and edible fruit. And also he grew the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flows from Eden to water the garden. And from there it divides into four headwaters. The name of the first level. uh, This is my trick. No one knows the pronunciation. Most people don't know this. I just say watermelon and apple, or I use places that you know from here. What are the rivers you guys know around here? The what? The skunk. The skunk? 
A river flows from Eden to the water of the garden. And there it divides into four headwaters. And the name of the first river was the skunk <laughs> river. It flows around the entire land of Prairie City where there is gold. That land's gold is pure, and that land also has sweet-smelling resins and gemstones. The name of the second river is the Des Moines River. It flows from the entire land of Des Moines. The name of the third river is the Raccoon River, flowing from the West Des Moines area and beyond. And the name of the fourth river is the... The what? The Iowa River. The Lord God took the human and settled him in the garden of Eden and to farm it and take care of it. The Lord God commanded the human, eat your fill from all of the garden's trees, but don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Was it an apple? When we think about chapter three, it never says that. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you had the full knowledge of good and evil, what happened? You yourself would know what was perfect and what was not. And you would think yourself a God. This we'll get into much later. Because on that day when you eat from it, you will die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the human is alone. And so the first thing we see here, and I want us to think about when we think about creation, is the first thing that's said early in chapter two is the word till is used. To work the land is the purpose of the human. But the word till Abad means to, to work the land, to labor, but more closely, it means to serve the land. Think about that, to serve the land. Sometimes we mistake this passage and we think, well, God gave us the ability to do whatever we want with it, but we forget that God put us there to serve the land, to care for it to make sure it was healthy and good. And by making it healthy and good, it would produce all sorts of things, it says, which we get to eat any of it. As long as it's not from that middle tree that we mistake ourselves as God. To serve the land. Dominion over the land is not so that we can do whatever we would want with it, but we have great responsibility to care for the earth around us, for our generation, for the generation after us and the generations after them to serve, to serve the land. For when we think that we have it to ourselves, we go away from that relationship that God has created for us to be in relationship with others means to leave them something too. When we think about this story, 
we have kind of a concentric circle or structure that we go here. This is in uh, biblical studies called A prime, B prime. And you see that there is a way of moving into the scripture and moving out of the scripture. And so you see that the first thing is, is that A prime, creation of man. You see this in verse seven. And then you see that after that, B, man is placed in the garden with trees. This is verses eight and nine. You have the middle and the most important passages, the rivers of life. The relationship that God has with us is one of life, abundant, and joy. God provides so that we may be in joy. But with that comes that responsibility that I talked about. B prime, mirrors B, man is placed in the garden and commanded about the trees. So you see the, the similarity between the trees. And A prime comes after that with the creation of what is called woman. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that the human is alone. I will make him a helper that is perfect for him. So the Lord God formed from the fertile land, all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky and brought them to the human to see what he would name them. So think about this. Adam was formed from the land and breathed life into him, life-giving breath. And then the animals were formed from the land and they were given. And Adam, the human, is asked to name the animals in here. The human named all the livestock, all the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But a helper, perfect for him, was nowhere to be found. Helper, helper. I had a couple that wanted to use this passage for their wedding, and I got a little nervous until I took time to research these words. Azar is the word, the Hebrew word for helper. The Hebrew word for helper. It is best understood as partner, as companion. It's an egalitarian understanding of the word helper. And you know who's described more often than not in the Bible as helper? God. The same word that's used here is more often than not used to describe God for us. And sometimes within our rush to justify our own understanding of how the world should work, we've used this word to denote dominion over somebody else or something else. But we forget that written right there in the text is a relationship that we are called to be in with others, with other things, not to abuse or to crush or to keep under, but to work with. And all relationships are better when they come from in place of being equal. In the midst of the scripture, it says, 
that as those other animals were named and human was come to him, that the human didn't find anybody that could be his equal, his companion, that no one could be found that could be the human's partner. And what does it say? So the Lord God put the human into a deep and heavy sleep and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh over it. With the rib taken from the human, the Lord God fashioned a woman and brought her to the human being. The human being said, this one finally is bone from my bones and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because from a man she was taken. Now, we also realize that this text where it says bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh is a direct relation to when David was brought into being the king and uniting the northern tribes and the southern tribes in 2 Samuel. And it says, all the Israelite tribes came to David at Herbon and said, listen, we are ver- your very own flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone. You hear that? There seems to be something about that that brings into a relationship saying you're, you are mine and I am yours. And the utterance says that there is high importance on that egalitarian understanding, that partnership. This is the reason that a man leaves his father and mother and embraces his wife and they become one flesh. The two of them were naked and the man and his wife, but they weren't embarrassed. There's a few things that we hear when we hear this scripture today, as we look at the story is it says something about who we are, where we came from and where we're going. This scripture is important. And if we take it with seriousness, we dive into what it means in our lives, not just a cursory looking over and a blanket statement. There is no division here between what we believe as Christians and where science might guide us in the future. There seems to be something deeper in here than a simple account of what happened. For sometimes stories can be seen as fictional. Sometimes they can be seen as factual, but somewhere in the midst of there seems to be something that tells us something deeper. The scripture tells us what it means to relate both to God, to one another, and to the world, created world around us. The first thing that we realize is that God cares so much about us, wants us to be in so much life and abundant joy that God will do anything, anything to find us companionship and a partner in this world. Love is a beautiful thing. Love is an amazing thing. And God doesn't want anybody to go without love. 
for to be in that relationship is a sacred thing. We have a God that doesn't just care about the order of things, but a God that wants to be in relationship with each and every one of us. The second thing that we learn from this in the depths of the Hebrew is that we have responsibilities. We all have responsibilities, both to upkeep the creation around us, to serve the land and the sky and the animals and the sea, to make sure that our mark on the world is one of goodness with no harm, to take after those things around us and not betray that relationship that God has wanted for us. When we walk away from that and try to do whatever we want with the world, we forget that relationship that God has given us. And it is my deep belief that we walk away from that joy and that life abundant that God has given us. The third thing is, is as we look at relationships, not only with creation, but with one another, we're reminded within this scripture, our ability to join together and create something good. This is a story that unites, not one of division, not one that leaves some at the bottom and others at the top, not one that allows some to have all the power and others to have nothing. It is one that gives everybody an equal place at the table. Ezar. May we all be each other's helper. And may we call upon the great helper in every day at every time. As we look at the stories that are coming from this for throughout this season, I want us to always keep in mind, where is this instructing me to go into the future? Where is this telling me where I've come from? Where is this telling me something about who God is? And where is this instructing me? to live into God's presence in the world around me. Thanks for listening to the Prairie City United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast. If you enjoyed the message you just heard, feel free to share it with a friend. And if you're ever in the Prairie City, Iowa area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. They're held every Saturday night at 6 and Sunday mornings at 9. For directions or to learn more about the church, go to facebook.com slash PCIowaUMC. That's facebook.com slash PCIowaUMC. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.